story nine of the human boy again by eden philpotts this liverbox recording is in the public domain story nine the quarry if your parents happen to live in india of course holidays are not all they might be because india is too far to go to often and such relations as aunts and uncles don't seem much to care to have you if you are the son of an indian soldier but grandmothers always seem to want to have you at least they do in the case of travers but his parents are dead anyway me and morris have to stop at dr dunstan's for holidays and so we have to be friends at those times i am eleven and he is twelve and we are very different him being never known to lose a conduct mark and me being ordinary i am called foster and the happiest day of my life was when i got ten shillings all at once being my ninth birthday in a postal order from my father the first feeling was one of sheer joy and the second feeling was that if it had been a pound it would have been better i remember the birthday only too well though nearly two years ago because immediately after getting the money i wrote to mr gammage the grand toy and games man for some important things wanted by me and my chum smith him that cut off the doctor's tiger's tail with such disastrous results and by great ill-luck that beast steggles looked over my shoulder and saw how i had begun my letter i had asked smith how to begin it in a very respectful way so as to please mr gammage and smith had said i should make it as friendly as you possibly can and i had said yes then i thought that as the friendliest letters i ever write are to my mother i would begin it like that and i had written down darling mr gammage i shall be very greatly obliged by your sending me if you have time by return of post certain things because mr gammage was quite as much to me as my mother in those days if not more well the beastly steggle saw this and set up a loud and hideous yell of laughter which was very painful to me and smith and presently when he had drawn the attention of many chaps to the letter he told us on no account to send it but to write in a firm and a manly tone and order the things he said when you are sending postal orders you have always the right to be firm and manly and when you are asking for them that is the time to be affectionate so we wrote the letter again and merely said dear mr gammage and signed ourselves yours truly arnold foster and huxley smith i must now return to morris who was left at merivale with me during the great summer holiday last year in a way his luck was frightful although he had nowhere to go in holidays even his amusements were such that they turned into marks and pleased the masters such as natural history and his conduct marks were so extraordinary that he never lost any at all without an effort in face he was nothing being sandy-haired and pale with a remarkably small mouth and watery eyes he had not much courage but was fond of chaps who had and he liked me and smith more for our courage than anything we tried without success to increase his courage and he helped us a lot with work that didn't want courage but only intellect of which he had a great deal it was really owing to my courage that the adventure of the old slate quarry happened you see the holiday competition for that year was a collection of insect life such as beetles moths and butterflies and as merivale happened to be a fine place for insect life in general morris determined to win the prize if he could 
when the doctor and his family went off to the seaside the last thing he said to me in morris was this farewell my dear lads pursue all innocent pleasures and give no course of offence during the vacation the matron will be at your service and she has the key of the library the playing field is also open to you and having regard for the season i relax a little of the rigid discipline of time and place of hours and boundaries proper to the term but i put you on your honour in this matter and feel that the chastening influence of morris will possibly serve to restrain the native exuberance of foster lastly i have directed that the commissariat shall be ordered on a generous nay lavish scale good-bye my dear boys and god bless you we said good-bye and i hoped that the doctor and mrs dunstan and the girl dunstans would have a good time and the doctor thanked me and said he was glad i had the grace to make that wish and after he had gone morris said that he very nearly said god bless you to the doctor but stayed just in time and i said it was jolly lucky he had for it certainly would have been frightful cheek to do it then two cabs rolled away with the doctor and his luggage and his family and me and morris were left we found what commissariat meant at dinner and i will say that the food was magnificent and the matron was a brick all through the holidays very different to what she is in term time and she told us a lot about her private life which turned out that she was a widow matron with a son and morris said why don't you bring your son here matron and i said of course why don't you and morris said it would hurt the doctor's feelings a good deal if he knew you had a son being educated somewhere else and she said it was all right and the doctor was as kind as any man could be and that the son was working hard and was a very good son being an office boy in a lawyer's office in london then came the quarry and my temptation of morris which ended in morris going to the quarry the quarry was certainly out of bounds and it was when out of bounds in secret with freckles and other big chaps that i found all the wonders of it it was a stone quarry in merivale great wood and there were game preserves near by where freckles hunted and practised to be a bushranger when he went home to australia but of course morris had never seen the place because he never went out of bounds at all from fear and also from goodness but chiefly from fear i said to morris on a fine day in the middle of august have you got any dragonflies in your collection and he said there are no dragonflies in merivale and i said you're a liar and he said well anyway i never saw one and i said in the old quarry in merivale great wood there are billions and he said they can't live without water to cool their tails and i said any fool knows that there's a stream and a pond in the quarry and the dragonflies and blackberries and butterflies including peacocks and red admirals are all as common as dirt it's a frightful pity it's out of bounds said morris to me and i explained that though out of bounds in term time yet owing to the doctor's special words to us before he went on his holiday everything was free now then morris said he put us on our honour and i said i've got just as much honour as you for that matter but my honour covers the whole of merivale great wood and if your honour doesn't do the same you'll lose the dragonflies morris thought over this a good deal and at last he said 
there's no doubt that slade and probably thompson minor will get dragonflies in their collections owing to their living by swamps and rivers and i said do what you like only it happens i'm going to the quarry to-morrow for the whole day and matron is going to make me sandwiches to take if you honestly think it is an honourable thing to do said morris i honestly do think so i said i believe you're right he said then rather a footling idea struck him how would it be if we wrote a polite letter to the doctor he asked not me i said you may be sure that the doctor in his hard-earned vocation doesn't want polite letters from me or even you in fact it might so much annoy him that he might change his mind altogether and not put us on our honour at all but merely say we were to keep bounds which would be death to me not that i should do it in any case so after a lot more rot and jaw about his blessed honour morris came and the day was jolly fine to begin with and we went well armed for sport in general he had his butterfly net and killing bottle a beastly thing full of chemicals but merciful in its way because when you put a butterfly in and shut down the cork the butterfly becomes unconscious without pain and dies pretty comfortably all the same as morris said to me while we watched a lesser tortoise-shell passing away death is death and the killing bottle was the only part of natural history he did not care about before we got to the quarry he was wondering if the chemicals in the bottle would be strong enough for a dragonfly i said you've got to jolly well catch them first i had the sandwiches and a sling made of leather which hurls a stone frightful distances i had also got in secrecy a packet of windsor pearl cigarettes and a box of matches these i did not intend to show to morris because it would have upset his honour again but i had been a smoker for years having been taught by steggles and it seemed to me if i couldn't have a cigarette in the summer holidays now and then i might as well give up smoking altogether there were tongue sandwiches and bread and butter ones and two hard-boiled eggs each and two large lumps of caraway seed cake it seemed a good deal to carry and yet not much to eat i also took an india-rubber cup for water but morris said the water in the quarry was no doubt where the dragonflies lived in the first stages of their careers and he doubted if we could drink it with safety he little knew that he would soon drink it whether it was safe or not there was only one way into the quarry and that was down a very steep and dangerous place the opening into the quarry was all filled up and there were railings all around it to keep anybody from falling into it by night morris funked getting down for some time then a dragonfly actually soared past and so much excited him that he said he was ready if i went first i told him to see exactly what i did and then i went down at one spot the descent was very perilous owing to a huge stone that stuck out in the middle of the cliff you had to curl over it and feel with your feet for a tree root below then for one great moment you had to let go with your hands and clutch at a pointed stone on the right-hand side this stone was always loose and wanted very delicate handling to me with years of practice it was easy but i felt sure it would be a bit of a twister for morris he lowered down his killing bottle and net and caterpillar box then he began to slowly descend 
but at the critical moment he stretched for the pointed stone before he had got his foot on the root and all his weight came on the stone with the terrible result that the stone gave way and when the big stone gave way about a million other stones gave way also so that morris fell to the ground in an avalanche of stones and the woods resounded with the sound my first thort was keepers and my second thort was morris he was alive and hardly hurt at all more than a sprained ankle he went very white and sat down and shivered and felt his bones and limbs one by one he said it was his first great escape from death and i said you may not have escaped all the same because you pulled down the cliff on your descent and that was the only way out of the quarry and now there isn't any way out at all which was perfectly true and not said to frighten morris getting out of the quarry was far far worse than getting in and wanted a nerve of iron which i hadn't mentioned to morris till i got him safely in but now he'd pulled down the place completely and left a naked precipice and my nerve of iron was no good in fact we were evidently going to have a great adventure and so i told morris it certainly spoilt the day for him because you can't very well have a ripping good picnic if you don't know how the picnic's going to end it's a fine place for natural history no doubt he said but we can't pretend we're going to have a good time now we're going to have a good time anyway i said he smiled in rather a ghastly way and said he hoped not because the weather was changing and it might rain later on then i told him that weather didn't matter as there was a pretty dry cave where freckles used to do his cooking of rabbits on half holidays morris seemed glad about the cave he rubbed his ankle and said so far as that went he felt pretty right presently he said there are certainly red admirals here in great quantities and also dragonflies but somehow i don't feel i've got the heart to kill anything for the moment especially after what i've just escaped myself death is death you'll be better after food i said but he wouldn't hear of food we must face the position he said here we are in a quarry and we can't get out yes i said very well then there being no food in the quarry except what we have brought with us we shall soon be hungry yes i said i am now morris went on trying to be calm but i could see the more he explained the situation the more frightened he got his voice shook when he said the next thing you can't go on being hungry for more than a certain time after you reach a certain pitch you die yes i said well there you are he said he fidgeted about with his killing bottle and things then made a hopeless sort of a sound like an engine letting off steam we must consider means of escape i said people come here sometimes no doubt only boys out of bounds said morris faintly oh what would i give to see the face of freckles peep over the top it's impossible i told him freckles is spending the holidays with some cousins in norfolkshire but there are often keepers in the woods to look after the game then we must shout at intervals night and day as long as we've got the strength to do it said morris before each shout we will eat a sandwich to increase our strength i said but morris fancied half a sandwich would be safer i thought it wasn't much good beginning by starving ourselves in adventures nobody begins by starving they end like that but morris who has a watch looked at it and said the time was only half-past ten 
and that even if we were safe and within reach of food we should not eat any for two hours and a half but i said plainly i could not wait that time and it ended by our dividing the food into two heaps of exactly the same size to a crumb and i eat a sandwich boldly and fearlessly but morris shook his head and said it was foolhardy he took a very hopeless view from the first and even thought that perhaps when my food was all gone and his hardly begun i should turn on him with the fierceness of starvation and tear his food away from him but i said no morris whatever tortures i may suffer i am a gentleman and i would rather die a hundred times than take as much as one seed out of your piece of cake this comforted him rather he put his hand on his chin and stared before him in a very feeble manner death is death he began again that's the third time you've said that i told him and if you say it once more i'll punch your head now i'm going to utter the first great shout and i hope it may bring a keeper not thomas or waxy west for they are both very hard and beastly men and very likely wouldn't rescue us even if they knew we were here but the underkeeper masters he will certainly save us and if he does i'll give him my packet of cigarettes i shouted six times then i shouted six more times then i told morris to have a shot but he made such a piffling feeble squeak that you could hardly have heard him a quarter of a mile off lucky i can howl i said or we should both be done for without a doubt why a lamb that has lost his mother would get up more row than that morris was rather hurt at this he explained that he was making an australian sound taught him by freckles it may not be loud he said but it is a well-known sound in australia and travel great distances especially over water the mention of water made us go and look at the pond i was frightfully thirsty by now and drank some it was grey in colour but clear when seen in my india-rubber cup and quite wholesome to the taste morris doubted but still he drank i advised him to catch some dragonflies and he said he would after the next time for shouting had come we arranged that i should shout every half hour and morris wanted to give me one sandwich from his store as payment for the exertion of shouting but i scorned it and told him i would not think of doing so after the second shouting which did nothing used my sling a bit and nearly hit a bird and morris caught a dragonfly and let it go out of pity and then he caught another and kept it to see if the killing bottle would kill it it did after about half a minute in the bottle the dragon was gone and we shook him out and examined his beautiful markings of yellow and black and his transparent wings that had the colours of the rainbow on them when the sun fell on them in a particular manner morris stroked it in a sorrowful way it is out of its misery now i wish me and you were he said i said we hadn't begun our misery yet i advised him to eat a sandwich and he did but very reluctantly he said that water would keep life in the human frame for many weeks he also said that he felt in a damp place like this we might easily get pneumonia he wondered if i hadn't better shout every quarter of an hour he also thought his watch was getting far too slow owing to his fall down the side of the quarry 
the sun had gone behind some rather dark clouds and we couldn't be sure where it was the only thing that happened during the next hour was that the dragonfly came to again not being dead but merely insensible it lifted a paw rather feebly to its forehead and evidently had a headache then it took a step or two and shivered a lot somehow it gratefully cheered morris the dragonfly recovering he said it had come out of the jaws of death and so perhaps we should he gave it an atom of tongue out of a sandwich but it was not up to eating and turned away from it then morris got it some water to wet its glittering tail this certainly refreshed it and so morris dashed a few drops on its head which refreshed it still more at half-past two it rose and flew several inches and at three it disappeared by this time i had eaten all my sandwiches and drunk tons of water and was peeling my first hard-boiled egg suddenly morris had an idea he had only eaten one sandwich and was of course famishing with hunger he said if you was to write a message and tie it round a stone and sling it into space it might be found and read then a rescue party would be arranged and we should be saved it was pretty good for morris and i took out my pocket-book instantly and wrote three messages and he wrote three he said it was like men on sinking ships who send off messages in bottles that are found many years afterwards in iceland and i said it was of course we hoped one at least of the six messages might be found pretty soon years afterward was no good to us i merely wrote lost in great wood quarry and unable to get out arnold foster come at once and morris wrote at the point of death and great wood quarry no escape food nearly gone a handsome reward will be given william arkwright henderson morris i asked him how he knew a handsome reward would be given and he said he didn't but he said he felt it was a safe thing to say and might make all the difference to anybody finding the message then i shot off the six messages wrapped round stones and they easily flew over the edge of the quarry i then shouted again and ate my first egg just when it began to rain morris had another great idea he said didn't you say something about a packet of cigarettes some time ago and i said yes and i am glad you reminded me about them because i just feel that one will do me a lot of good then i pulled them out and opened the packet and took one and lit it it is very restful in such an adventure as this i said morris then he explained his idea it is well known that when you are learning to smoke your appetite is often spoiled for a time now morris thought that if he smoked he would not want food and so much valuable food might be saved and life prolonged if necessary he said to you who smoke so easily no doubt it is no good but i have never smoked and if i took a cigarette and went through with it it might turn me off eating for some time this was true but i pointed out a great danger that morris had forgotten that is all right and i will of course share my cigarettes with you and as there are twenty that will be ten each i said but i must seriously warn you morris that to a perfect beginner like you many things might happen besides merely a feeling against tongue sandwiches you might be absolutely sick and then 
all the food in me would be wasted said morris in a very tragic tone he turned quite white at this idea he said it would be madness to do anything to weaken his system at such a critical time and i said so too then he asked me to go and smoke further off because the very smell made him feel rather strange after what i had told him i smoked three cigarettes bang off and they only made me hungrier than ever then the rain came rather bad and at four o'clock we entered the cavern at least i did but morris stood at the door ready to run out and shout if by lucky chance anybody came in sight on the edge of the quarry but nobody came and the next serious thing was that my voice began to get husky after so much shouting morris said it was the cigarettes but i told him it was owing to yelling all day every half hour which undoubtedly it was at six i went to sleep for some time in the cave and morris did not wake me because he said that i was gaining strength by it when i woke it was already darkish and i thought it would be a good idea to make a fire morris thought so too and we made one ready with a lot of dead fern that freckles had put long ago into the cavern we took the paper that had wrapped up our lunch and put it under the fern and covered it with my coat to keep it dry and after dark we lighted it and it made a good blaze for a minute but unfortunately went out owing to the rain the rain in fact began to pour steadily and it was a particularly dark evening morris became a simple worm after dark he took a small bite out of a sandwich and said his prayers from end to end every half hour i had only got my cake left now and it seemed to me better to have one good meal and have done with it than keep messing about like morris was so i finished my cake and tried to go to sleep again we found that water came through the roof of the cavern in rather large quantities and morris had a new terror he said if we can't get out of the quarry then i don't see how water can get out and so if it rains more than a certain amount the quarry will get full and we shall be drowned which showed what a footling state of mind morris had got into presently i sneezed and he said of course it was the beginning of pneumonia then he asked for a match to see the time and it was six minutes past ten then i shouted again at the cavern entrance without result he kept on asking for matches to see the time until there were only five left and i said we must keep these for emergencies and he said he supposed we must at last he went into a sort of sleep after shedding some tears and pretending it was a cold in his head then i lighted a cigarette and found much to my surprise that i was beginning to feel queer myself with a new sort of queerness quite new to me i woke morris and told him that i was sorry to say i was ill and he said he was undoubtedly very ill too and had been dreaming of his mother which he only did when frightfully ill he also asked me if i believed in ghosts and i said i thought i did and he said he always did there were some awfully strange noises happening outside at this time and i sacrificed another match and found it was nearly one o'clock then we went to the mouth of the cavern and listened to a peculiar creepy sound far off the rain had stopped and a sloppy-looking moon was coming up morris shivered 
that might be the mournful yell of some wretched ghost he said it's owls i said but he did not think so he thought it was too miserable for owls it came nearer and certainly was not owls then a thought struck me it's a rescue party i said we shouted with all our might and screamed and yelled and presently there was an answering yell and we felt that with any luck we were now saved soon torches gleamed through the trees and there were sounds of human feet and language i said to morris we are now saved morris and if you are not going to eat your piece of caraway seed cake i should very much like to and he said you can eat everything i have such a feeling of thankfulness to be saved that i couldn't eat for the moment empty as i am besides there will be supper provided a man shouted above us and i heard the hated voice of waxy west be you the little devils down there he cried out yes we are mr west i answered him very loud we're doing no harm at all merely waiting quietly to be rescued we only came for dragonflies and the side of the quarry gave way unfortunately or we shouldn't have had to trouble you at such a late hour he growled in rather an unkind tone of voice and we saw there were two other men with him then they began to make arrangements for the rescue and one was told to go and get a rope if ever i catch you in this place again i'll break both your necks said waxy west and though this was rather strong it comforted morris in a way because it showed that west hadn't found his messages offering a handsome reward if there had been any question of that he would have been polite and cringing but he was just as usual we found out after that matron had got in a funk and gone to the big house where the people belonging to merivale great wood lived and the people had sent their keepers in all directions to save us these keepers got a rope and made knots in it and lowered it down and told us that we must climb up it and i let morris go first which he did and then i went up and the keepers saw us home i told waxy west that i should mention the subject to my parents in india and that i hoped they might send at least a pound to him and he said it wasn't likely because he'd done them the worst turn any man could and he said that if i wanted to reward him i would never go into merivale greatwood again and i promised i wouldn't go in again for a full month which he evidently didn't believe there was a frightfully good tuck waiting for us at school and the matron who had been blubbing said a great many rather unkind things while we ate it but she promised not to tell dr dunstan and he does not know even to this day morris didn't win the holiday competition because as he expected both slade and thompson minor brought back dragonflies he might easily have gone to the quarry again after the month i promised waxy west was over but nothing would tempt morris to go though i bought ten yards of good rope for my own use however he paid me sixpence for getting him back his killing bottle and his butterfly net and his caterpillar box which were forgot in the excitement of the rescue and that was all to the good End of chapter nine